State Parliament launched an inquiry into floodplain harvesting. We know it is the practice of allowing big irrigators to siphon off rainwater into their private dams before it reaches the river. It's a vitally important inquiry, but it's getting almost no mainstream media coverage. Now, on Monday, the inquiry learnt that there's been a massive increase in floodplain harvesting since the mid-1990s, particularly in northern New South Wales. This means less water is flowing down the river for communities in the Lower Darling. Big irrigators are taking water without a licence, and it's not being metered. The Murray-Darling Basin placed a limit on the amount of water irrigators can take. It's clear from evidence so far in the inquiry that floodplain harvesters are taking water in excess of this limit. Now, the New South Wales government, I'm told, are using dodgy numbers to allow too much water to be taken. Now, obviously, um, right at the moment, the Menindee Lakes are full. A lot of the Darling is, well, travelling very well. It's full of life, which is wonderful, because we've had recent rains. But, as we know, we are a country of... Well, droughts, as well as flooding rains, and there'll be a drought who knows when, hopefully not too soon, but it is extremely likely there will be one on the horizon. So Helen Dalton says we need to make sure floodplain harvesting is sustainable and that it doesn't hurt our farmers and our communities. Morning to you, Helen. How are you? Yeah, very well, Marcus. How are you? Not bad. Nice to have you on, as always. So the inquiry, it's trying to establish what? Look, we're trying to get all the information out on the table about floodplain harvesting. So I think there's been uh, about 263 submissions put in from all around New South Wales, um, particularly, obviously, out in the west and the northern parts and the southern parts um, in my area. So um, everyone's pretty keen to to get some sort of resolution with this inquiry. And I think if we can get all the facts out on the table... Uh, and the um, committee can go through all of the evidence. I think we'll come to some uh, a land place where it's, um, you know, where we can have sustainable water use and we can have equity throughout the the basin. Now, is it right for me to say that because we've had some recent decent rain and the the rivers, um, some in particular, uh, you know, at capacity, is it right to say that because of this abundance of water at the moment? that big irrigators, uh, cotton or otherwise, are probably taking more or floodplain harvesting more than they should be? Well, we've had a lot of rain, and I I believe the Menindee Lakes are full and the Darling's flowing, and that's great. And I think when we are a a land of droughts and flooding plains, and I think when it does rain and and it's plentiful, um, then uh, perhaps people can store some water in their dams. But with low or moderate flows... um, the practice of floodplain harvesting should should really be under scrutiny and people should really um, abide by the the limits which are um, set by the new south or set by the um, the water act yeah and uh, at the moment we're seeing new south wales government cooking the books with cap uh, numbers and that's not good enough but um i mean this year has been a fabulous year out there but we also know that um, there's three sure things in life, and that's death, taxes and drought. And we really need to get this right, the settings right on all of this, and we need people to to be honest, um, get people uh, metered and monitored. And that's part... the, The problem with that has been the New South Wales government, successive governments, have kicked the can down the road with regard to all of that. It's been put in the too hard basket, 
And now we have this opportunity with this inquiry to get those settings right, um, to make sure that there's an equitable share of the resource. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Water is not a commodity and it should be available to all regardless of the size of their checkbook. Now, you are concerned that regional New South Wales might be, quote, roadkill, unquote, in the Uh, New South Wales COVID-19 roadmap to recovery when the state reaches a 70% fully vaccinated target. Fully vaccinated Sydney siders will be able to travel to regional New South Wales. You say, Helen, the problem is regional towns won't be at 70% vaccinated by then. And regional areas are lagging behind Sydney because the state government didn't supply your areas with enough vaccines. No, that's that's exactly right. It's a big concern. You know, we do love you, but, however, we'd like to get our vaccination rates up a little bit before we're inundated with um, Sydney-siders that come out to our beautiful area. So incredibly concerned about that because our hospitals will be overwhelmed. Um, We need to get our vaccination rates up, and we do need some restrictions too. It just can't be um, just free-for-all. Um, because our areas, we are a highly productive ag area. We need to make sure that we're all well. And we've only got six ventilators for the whole Murray electorate. And the, yeah. remember, the Murray electorate's bigger than the size of Scotland. So um, we'd be in a lot of trouble unless we have a very staged approach to all of this. And to make sure that we are out here, at le- I think at least 80% fully vaccinated. 80%. All right, I Helen. So. I mean, that's a concern that I, I hear from many. I mean, I've got a note here from Dave regarding the Northern Rivers or Byron Bay. You know, Marcus saw a fully vaccinated woman travels to Byron Ballada, has COVID, and the whole region is thrown into a seven day lockdown. Mm. Is this the way forward when 70% of the population is vaccinated? What's the difference to now if you still spread it when vaccinated? Uh, see, I understand the point you're trying to make, and a lot of people in regional New South Wales are echoing your sentiments, Helen, that perhaps, you know, uh, regional areas need to reach an, uh, an equitable vaccination rate before Sydney ciders. Um, are allowed in. Otherwise, there, there could be cases in a spike and, unfortunately, uh, less people being vaccinated, whether it's the Murray-Darling or whether it's the Northern Rivers, could lead to some issues. Absolutely, and I know a lot of the country MPs are incredibly concerned about this. I've spoken to the cross-border commissioner, James McTavish, yeah. and he's certainly well aware of that and um, pleading the case for the government. They have to be incredibly careful with what they're doing because we are so vulnerable. We have a lot of Indigenous communities. The further west you go here, the the lower the vaccination rates. We need to get those vaccinations out and have a very careful stage opening up. All right. Great to have you on as always, Helen. Look after yourself. We'll uh, touch base again soon. Of course, the floodplain harvesting inquiry continues. You'll have a link up on your social media today if people want to follow it. Thank you again. No, thanks so much, Marcus. My pleasure. Helen Dalton, Murray MP. Look, upgrades are on the way for 13 parks across Sydney. As a part of the latest $4 million round of the Metro Green Space Program, the upgrades include a new urban forest at Strathfield, the upgrade of a significant Indigenous site at Liverpool and a waterside boardwalk at Canada Bay. Uh, the program recognises the value of Sydney's parks and public spaces while giving councils the autonomy to create outdoor venues and attractions that suit the unique communities that use them every day. 
I've got a map and a, a link up to all of these new parklands as a part of this Metro Green Space program. It's up on our socials. Follow the hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. Give us a like and follow on Facebook. News next, 730